Good morning. Good morning and Merry Christmas to you. I hope you're doing well uh, wherever you're joining us from, whatever time you're joining us at. I hope it wasn't too late at night for you last night, uh, packing stockings or wrapping presents or out at candlelit services. I hope it wasn't too early a morning for you this morning either, but Merry Christmas to you. Really glad that you could join us on this day that we celebrate God made flesh, our Saviour stepping onto the field of human history to be our King, to be our Lord, to be our, um, to be our Shepherd. Well, I'm glad you could join us. Um, we're going to read some of that story now. Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth and the announcement of his birth to the shepherds by the angels, a famous story. Luke chapter 2, let me read it to you. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, had told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It's a famous story, a story you might have seen acted out or read out a hundred times through your lifetime. There's one particular part I want to focus on today, and that's that Jesus is wrapped in cloths. Maybe a bit of a strange thing to look at in particular, but it's an important part of the story that points us back and points us forward and shows us an awful lot about who Jesus is, about this gift, this sign, this baby who's born and laid in a manger. Well, he's wrapped like lots of things are at Christmas. It's a, a bit of a theme of Christmas morning for me anyway in my household. This is my job, apart from unwrapping my own presents, collecting all of the wrapping, all of the paper, all of the ribbons and cards and, and notes and all of that kind of stuff. I'm putting it into a black, not black bag, a blue bag here in Carmarthenshire. That's dad's job on Christmas morning. I wonder if that was your dad's job. It was my dad's job. It's kind of been passed down through the generations. That, that's what I do. Deal with wrapping and make sure everything is in good order on Christmas morning. But wrapping is an important part, isn't it? It shows you, at least sometimes, uh, a little bit about who's given you the gift. It shows you sometimes what the gift is all about. 
but also sometimes it can be a bit of a mysterious thing. It kind of hides the gift so that there's a surprise. So there's something that you wouldn't expect. And that's what we're going to see in this gift, in the gift of the Lord Jesus. First of all, it tells you a little bit about who has given this gift. It points us back. You see, Jesus is born and wrapped in cloths and laid in a manger. That's what happens. That's what Mary does. And then that's exactly the same thing that the angels tell the shepherds, go and see this sign. Today, a saviour has been born in the town of David. He'll be Christ, the King and the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This isn't the first time that an angelic messenger has appeared to a shepherd and told them they'll see a sign. You see, it points us back, right the way back to very early on in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Moses, who's a shepherd, is out in the hillside, looking after sheep, probably at night, and he sees this mysterious thing. He sees a burning bush, and he goes over to it, and he hears a voice, a messenger, a heavenly messenger, saying to him, Moses, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So a shepherd gets a sign that he's going to meet God and worship God on this mountain. And what's the sign turn out to be later on in Exodus you hear? It's God himself who comes to be among his people, but wrapped in thunder and lightning and a great storm that Moses can't even look at with his eyes. He has to be hidden in a little cave and he just gets to see the back of God's glory as he's shrouded, as he's wrapped in thunder and lightning and terrifying storm and glory. That's the sign that the shepherd Moses saw. God would be with his people in glory. And this is quite a different sign, isn't it? This wrapping is very different to thunder and lightning and glory and terror. It's a tiny little baby wrapped in little cloths. When Bethan, my wife, was born, uh, she was premature, and um, the baby grows that, that my mother and father-in-law had bought for her were just too big. Um, so my father-in-law had to go down the road to a toy shop and buy a doll, take the, the, uh, the onesie off the doll and put that on Bethan. She still got that in the attic somewhere. Her first baby cloths, her first little onesie that she was wrapped in as a tiny little premature baby. Jesus is wrapped in cloths. And what's the sign here? Well, it's not thunder and lightning and glory and billows of smoke and terrifying stuff on a mountain. It's a tiny little baby. That's the sign. That's the glory this time. This is the hope for the world. This is the sunshine that's dawning into the darkness. This is what the angels are singing about. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests. Peace to all. It's good news for all the people that God has come that he's a king, he's the Christ, and that he's our saviour, the Lord. But how has he come? Well, he's come wrapped in our flesh, wrapped in cloths like every little baby is, and laid in a manger. What's the sign to see this time? It's that God has become one of us, not just spoken to us through wonderful people like Moses, or Abraham, or Isaiah, or great King David. No, God has come to us, not just to be wrapped in baby clothes, but to be wrapped in our flesh. Hark the herald angels sing. That's one of my favourite carols. There's a line in the second verse of that that goes like this. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. How can you see God? How can you know about him? Well, you have to come to Jesus because it's in him that you actually see God. 
veiled in flesh, wrapped in flesh. God incarnate, we sometimes say. That second word, incarnate, like chili con carne, chili with meat, it's God wrapped in meat, wrapped in flesh, with a body. God is on the field of human history. First of all, he's not walking, is he? He's crying and feeding and learning to walk and to speak and to live and to grow. God has become one of us and struggled with us and suffered with us and felt temptations like we felt, but been without sin. Been through the sufferings that we go through and even more than we ever will go through and went through them to the end. This is God's gift to, the, to us. That's what that wrapping teaches us, that God is an only glory and terror and far too big for us to get our heads around, but God has come close to us. God is wrapped in flesh and laid in a manger. He's a gift, a gift to us. But more about that word, uh, later, because sometimes when we wrap presents, they actually hide what's underneath, don't they? Sometimes that can be a little bit of a cruel way. I saw a parenting tip. Somebody suggested this, this week that you wrap up a couple of empty boxes and whenever the children are playing up around Christmas, you just say, start behaving or I'm going to throw these into the fire. And then you follow it through. You set a fire in your grate or in your um, log burner or something like that. And then you take these presents, empty boxes you've wrapped up and you throw them into the fire and terrify the children into behaving well. I'm not sure it's the best parenting tip. I think not one to be recommended. But I remember when my mum did a kind of similar thing to my little sister. She wrapped up um, a box of hair, hair straighteners box, the kind of GHD hair straighteners that were all the rage back in the day. My sister really wanted some for Christmas. So my mum took the straighteners out, wrapped the box and put something pretty lame inside. I can't remember exactly what was in there, like a, a little card or a message or something not very good at all. So when she wrapped the box, unwrapped the box, it was amazing. It was something she was really happy about. And then she opened the box and her face fell. And it was a bit of a cruel prank that my mum had played on her on Christmas day. And I wonder if sometimes we feel like that's what Jesus is. That he's somebody who's wrapped up all nice and fancy with a bow. Christians talk a lot about him. History seems to be um, pretty focused on him. You know, a whole date system is built around him, but you unwrap the box. And to be honest, perhaps Jesus has disappointed you. Or you feel like if you were to scratch the surface of the stories like Luke has written for us, then, then you'd find it was just myth and legend. And there's not really much to it that Jesus is wonderful on the surface, meek and mild, but you know, fine for the people who want to be part of religion and all that kind of stuff. But really for you, it's just an empty box. Nice wrapping, but not much substance inside. Maybe you feel that way about Jesus today. You know, thank you for all of the presents. Thank you for all of the mince pies and food and all the things that we enjoy around Christmas time. But to be honest, when people talk about the true meaning of Christmas, you find it a little bit hollow. Like there's not really much more to it than family and presents and food and those kind of things. But is there? Is that really true? Is the box just empty? Is it just wrapping and ribbons with nothing inside? Actually, I think if you scratch the surface, what you'll find is the opposite is true. That when you unwrap the Lord Jesus, when you pull off the paper and the ribbons and the trappings and the, the stuff that goes with Christmas, when you take that aside and open the curtain a little bit, you'll find there really is something far more wonderful than you ever imagined inside. When you scratch the surface of these stories, you'll see, you'll find, I think if you approach it with an open mind, 
that they really do stand up to scrutiny. That you really can read and trust what you're reading. That you can go and look and study these stories and, and realise that they are eyewitness testimony. That they're a, a kind of writing that was really never seen before or after in the ancient world. That Luke says right at the beginning of this story, he calls it a gospel, that he's, that he's not writing some myth or legend, that he's been and talked to eyewitnesses, that he's talked to others who were there at the time, and he's written a carefully ordered historical account for us. This isn't myth or legend that was written down centuries after the fact, that actually this gospel, this story about Jesus, God come to earth, was written down, published, completed, and spread far and wide within the lifetimes of the eyewitnesses. That's when Luke wrote. It was really early on. And the way that he wrote, if you go and read it for yourself with an open mind, really doesn't sound like myth or legend or poetry or just kind of empty stories. This is what C.S. Lewis, uh, who is a professor of literature, had to say about the Gospels. He says, I've been reading poems, romances, vision literature, legends and myths all of my life. That was his bread and butter, professor of literature. I know what they're like, and none of them are like this, talking about the Gospels. It says the Gospel texts, of the Gospel texts, there are only two possible views. Either this is historical reporting, or some unknown ancient writer without known predecessor or successor suddenly anticipated the whole technique of modernistic realistic narrative. The reader who doesn't see this has simply not learned how to read. A bit of a condescending professor comment at the end. But did you hear what he's saying? He's saying this is either historical reporting or some literary genius. In fact, four literary geniuses, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, put together an entirely new genre of literature in making up stories and telling them in a realistic kind of a way. They anticipated that the recent genre of novels centuries before their time and then nobody after them picked up that genre again until well the last couple of centuries he's saying that this is either historical reporting or basically a miracle something very strange in history there's all sorts of evidence for these stories um, scratch the surface in fact do more than that unwrap the box dig in and i think you'll find if you approach it with an open mind that there really is something solid here to close your mind around because as G.K. Chesterton said, an open mind has the same purpose as an open mouth. It's supposed to be closed on something solid and nourishing. That's what the story of Jesus is. The story of God who's come to us to be our king, to be our saviour, to be the gift. The gift that the world needs. Well, what is that gift? It's a bit of a mystery at the beginning. A baby lying in a feeding trough. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to be Christ the king. He's going to be the Lord. He's going to be a saviour. But... How? What's he going to do? Well, you need to read the rest of the story for that. You'll see him heal people who couldn't be healed by doctors. You'll see him push back darkness in ways that are, that are just uncannily wonderful. You'll see him calm storms and rescue people from danger. You'll see him feed people in wonderfully generous and miraculous ways. You'll see him say things and speak things that, what if he didn't say them? Then we've got to... <laughs> We've got to search for who did because they're the most wonderful sayings, the most wonderful stories, the most wonderful manifesto for living that has ever been uttered on the face of this earth. Jesus is somebody really wonderful. But on top of all of that, the fact that he was wrapped in 
swaddling cloths points us to the most wonderful thing that he did, to another story of Jesus being wrapped in cloths right at the end of the story that Luke tells. Luke chapter 23, the story of Jesus' death. And after Jesus has been put to death, crucified on the cross by the Romans, a man called Joseph, same name as his father, a man called Joseph, this time Joseph of of Arimathea, asks for Jesus' body and he takes him down for the cross. And it says this, Luke chapter 23, verse um, 46. Sorry, not 46, uh, verse 53. Then Joseph took his body down, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had been laid. Joseph took his body, wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a tomb. It's uncannily similar to the story at the beginning of Jesus's life, that Mary bears Jesus from her own womb out into the world and he's wrapped in cloths and laid in a manger and now Jesus is laid in the dust of death, wrapped in cloths and laid in a tomb, a stone tomb. And a few days later, angels announce something remarkable. At the beginning, they'd announce something incredible, that God had come to earth. And at the end of the story, they announced that actually it's not the end of the story. You see, the women who loved Jesus, who'd cared for Jesus, who'd looked after, who'd trusted in Jesus, the women come to the tomb, to that place carved out in rock, early in the morning, on the first day of the week. They come, and what do they find? Well, they don't find Jesus wrapped in cloths and laid in the tomb any longer. They find just empty cloths, folded up tidily. And then as they're wondering about what what on earth has happened, angels appear to them and announce this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. You see, this is the thing that Jesus being wrapped up points us towards. It points us back to what Moses saw, the glory of God. And that glory has become one of us. And it points us forward to the glory of Jesus in the resurrection. That he was killed, that death did its worth, that Satan bit down on Jesus. And that Jesus was freed from death, freed from Satan, freed from darkness. On that third day, he walked out of the tomb, not wrapped up any longer, but in a new body, right, bright, clothed in immortality to give us hope for the future. See, that's what Jesus is all about. That's what this story is for. That's how he's the savior, not just of hungry people or of sick people or of people who are struggling with darkness. He's the savior of sinners who are facing death. That's you and me. He's the saviour who doesn't just make it possible for us to celebrate a little bit at Christmas time with some food and some parcels and some people that we love. He's the one who, who makes it possible for us to be celebrating, to be wondering, pondering in our hearts and going out to the world with great joy for eternity. That's what the shepherds did at the beginning, wasn't it? They went back into their towns. They went back to their hillsides, marvelling and telling everybody that they could, filled with joy, praising God. And that's what... The followers of Jesus do right at the end of the gospel. Luke's last line. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually in the temple, praising God. See, that's the effect that Jesus has. When you come and realise the gift that he is, that he's the one who forgives our sins by his death on the cross, that he's the one who gives us life by his resurrection from the dead, that he's the one who stays with us and promises to be with us even through death, out the other side, into eternal life. 
He promises to be with us every day, every moment, to the very end of the age. He promises to give us peace and rest for all those who are weary and heavy laden. When you realise the kind of gift that Jesus is, you will want to tear off that wrapping straight away and receive that gift. Because it's given from God, it's not something that we earn. It's not something that you buy. It's not something even that we were expecting to have. The shepherds weren't waiting on the hillside, waiting for the angels to turn up. Mary wasn't expecting a miracle baby. Nobody was expecting the resurrection. But God gives us this miraculous, unexpected, beautiful, free gift of his own son, who's come to be one of us. His own son who's come to die for us and sweep away darkness. His own son who's come to rise again and be our king forever, our saviour, saviour of all, the one who will bring peace and good news of great joy for all people. I wonder if you're somebody who's unwrapped that present. I wonder if you're somebody who's scratched beneath the surface of that wrapping paper. I wonder if you're somebody who's maybe sung these words from another carol as a prayer. Maybe this might be the first time you'll pray these words today. What do we need to do? Well, O little town of Bethlehem, that famous carol ends with these lines. O little, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, their great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Emmanuel, that's a name that means God with us. Is God with you in your heart? walking with you and beside you and calling you onwards through death towards the resurrection. Well, that's the hope, that's the gift of the Lord Jesus. I wonder if you'll unwrap that, investigate that, ponder on that. Let it pour joy into your heart so that you might live for him and go about back to your towns, back to your hillsides, wherever you're from, wherever you are, praising God and giving him glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that this would be our prayer today, that you would descend to us, that you would cast out our sin and enter in and be born in us today. Lord, would you come to us and stay with us? Help us not just to look back to these things as myths and legends and stories, empty tales. It would help us to see and to know the reality and the solidity of Christ who's come to us who's lived for us, who's died for us, and rose again to give us hope this Christmas day and every day. Amen.